If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It was Christmas 2009. Brady, our oldest, was three, three years old. Belle was almost, almost six months old. Tanya left me home alone with them uh, as she went on a much-needed uh, shopping night out, okay? Uh, so he- here I am uh, all through the house. Brady is flying around. You know how three-year-olds are? They're just all over the house, right? Just flying through the house. Uh, Belle was crying. If, at that age, if Belle was breathing, she was crying. Just how it was. So all through the house, Brady's flying. Belle is crying. And I'm just trying to keep everybody from dying. That's my, that's my goal that night. Uh, so we had some stockings hanging from the mantle. And they, had, they were on these, I don't know why we had ceramic stocking holders holding the stock. I don't know why we did that. And, and Brady grabbed every one of them, just jerked them one at a time, all off the mantle. One of them hit the floor, exploded. One of them hit the ceramic tile. It cracked the ceramic tile. One of them cracked open Brady's skull. So at about that time, Tanya walks in. Brady is bleeding. Belle is crying. Well, she's breathing, so that's a good thing. And I'm celebrating. I'm doing a victory lap around the house because nobody's died, right? I have victory, right? Is that... When we think about why God made parents, did God make parents just to keep everybody alive? Did God make parents just to keep everybody breathing? Is that why? Or is there, or is, is there something more? Is there something more? So Proverbs 22.6 is a proverb that really helps answer that question. Why did God make parents? Well, Proverbs 22.6 is, is fairly clear. If you have your place there in Proverbs 26, say, I'm there. And, and look, look what the Word of God has to say here. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, would you be honored by the reading and receiving of this Word? Help us to respond to it, Lord, in a way that brings you great glory. In Christ's name we pray, and God's people said, train up. This is an interesting word. Uh, this is a, a word that means to dedicate, to inaugurate, to dedicate someone or something unto the Lord. It's a word we find all through the Old Testament. Dedicating of houses in Deuteronomy 20. Uh, the Bible says, hey, is there any man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? We see it in the dedication of the temple, the house of the Lord, in 1 Kings 8.63. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. We see it in Nehemiah 20, or chapter 12.27, where they dedicate the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah and, and all the Levites come together and the people gather together for the, and they, they celebrate the dedication with gladness and with thanksgiving. It's that kind of word that means to set one aside and to dedicate one 
to the service of the Lord. So parents, we are called to set aside each child and point them to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. To train them up that way. To dedicate them and inaugurate them in that way. A minute ago, these were not just words we were reading up here as we were commissioning parents. This is... That these words come from the infallible, inerrant word of the living God. Train up a child in the way he should go. Start and train them up in the way he should go. When we renovated this room several years ago, uh, this platform, uh, before carpet went down, it was just a wooden platform. And all back there and down here and even down here, uh, you wrote scripture all over this platform. You took a black marker, and you wrote out Scripture. If we were to pull this carpet up, this, this platform would be full of Scripture. Why? Because we're dedicating it unto the Lord. How, how much more important is it to write the Scripture, the sacred writings, on the hearts of our little boys and little girls, dedicating them unto the Lord? See, there's a huge difference, parents, you know this, between telling a child and training up a child. Huge difference in telling and training. If you say to your child, don't make me tell you again, you will be telling them again and again and again and again. You can't just tell them every now and again. You train them up, train them up, train them up, dedicate them, inaugurate them unto the Lord. The the word in Hebrew has this incredible picture of literally it means taking a morsel of food and putting it into one's mouth. Kind of like a mom and dad feeding a baby or an infant. Not only do you have food in the house, you make sure of that, but you also make sure that you prepare the food, take it to the child, and you literally put it in the baby's mouth, put it in the infant's mouth. Take the morsel of food, put it in their mouth. Now when they grow older, You don't have to wonder or guess, is there any food in the house? They'll tell you there's no food in the house. There's not what I want in the fridge and the pantries in the house. You need to go to the store, right? They'll tell you that. But as as young babies and infants, you feed them so that when they grow older, they'll feed themselves. There's Nobody in this place would ever look at a mom or a dad who took a bottle and is feeding an infant with a bottle. You would not look at that and say, wow, that is strange. None of us would do that. But if a mom and a dad had a bottle and and put it in a 14-year-old or 15-year-old's mouth, you'd look at that and say, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Why? Because we we train them up when they're young so when they're older they can feed themselves. So put the morsel of the bread of life, put the morsel of the water of life, put the morsels of the truth of life into their little hearts so when they're older... They can go to the Word and feed themselves. Teach them to pray. Teach them to read the Word. Teach them the priorities of these disciplines of the faith. Train them up. Dedicate them. Put the food in their mouth. The Word also means to make narrow. A narrowing of a child's conduct. Not toward wickedness, but toward righteousness. Not toward the world, but to the Word. Not toward self, but toward the Spirit. These little devices widen. These little things, they widen. Parents, we're called to narrow, not widen. To make them narrow. To hedge them in, the word means. Think of cattle being guided into the pen. They have fences on either side. And there's only one way they can go. 
<laughs> Same way. We're to train them up. A narrowing, a hedging in of our little boys and girls. Jesus said it like this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and only a few find it. Personal parenting, parenting with a purpose, it's not easy, is it? It's hard. It's not easy. You've seen it, and I've seen it too. Parents will exert every effort. They will expend every expense to ensure that their child is trained athletically, musically, or or educationally. You will stop the earth on its axis to make sure your child's at practice on time. You'll stop time to be sure they're at school on time. But how much effort's being exerted, how much expense is being expended when it comes to their spiritual training? How much, I mean, you make sure they're at school every day of the week, but when it comes to, uh, to worship, are, are we ensuring, hey, worship is a top priority. It is the top priority. And we're going to make it that. And we're going to st- stick with that. Remember, you've heard these stats before. Your child has a .0296% chance of becoming a professional athlete. .0296%. They have a .0086% chance of becoming a famous celebrity. They have a 13.1% chance of earning a master's degree. About 2% chance of a professional degree. Less than that for a Ph.D., 16.7% of all COVID cases since the pandemic have been children. State of Tennessee, it's a little higher, 30-something percent. So your child has a 30% chance in the state of Tennessee of getting COVID. Yet what links have you gone to to make sure they don't? Great links. Yet every child, each child, every man, woman, boy, and girl have a 100% chance. Not a 0.2%, not a 0.02%, not a 0.008%, not a 13%, not a 30%, not a 2%, but a 100% chance of standing before the Lord Jesus on Judgment Day. All of us do. So what effort and expense is being expended and exerted to ensure spiritually they're being trained up? Remember, the Bible says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life you're aiming for your child's heart train the child up train them up and the word child here is an interesting word it covers a gamut of ages it covers ages from zero to 17 years of age same word used to describe Moses when Pharaoh's daughter found him floating around in that basket as, as a baby same word used there to describe Joseph In Genesis 37, it's 17 years old. Same word. So it covers the ages, according to the Bible, from 0 to 17. That's your window. 0 to 17. You train them up in the way that they should go at least 0 to 17. You train them up in the way that they should go. I was having conversation the other day with a server at Chili's, and she was telling me about This new system they're pivoting to because they can't keep help. They can get help, they can hire people, but they don't stay. She's talking about other servers. 
And so she said there's going to be two servers in this store and we're going to work all the tables. But they've come up with this elaborate system that right when you walk in the door, they immediately take your drink orders before you even get your seat. They get your drink orders. They have all that ready for you when you sit down. So it's supposed to make them a little more efficient. She was telling me a very interesting concept they've they've pivoted to uh, during this time where they can't keep help. And so she was talking about they hire teenagers, they hire college students, and they no, no, no problem getting them hired, it's keeping them. And, and, and she gave me a very interesting perspective on why they don't stay and why they quit. Now, it's church house going, folk, we'll shake our fist at the White House, don't we? Say, White House, it's your fault. It's your fault, Biden. It's your fault, Trump. It's your fault, Obama. It's your fault, Bush. It's your fault. You're giving these people all this money, and they're not working. It's your fault. It's always their fault, right? Well, this perspective from this server was very interesting. She said the reason these teenagers and college students are are quitting has nothing to do with any money they're receiving or the restaurant. It has everything to do with you and with me. It's very interesting. She said the reason they quit are the customers are so mean. They're so rude. They're so unkind that they just can't take it. So parents, we failed in two ways. Number one, we need to teach our kids some stick-to-itiveness, right? That trials develop perseverance and develop character. And to stick it out, don't quit. Secondly, we failed them in that we're teaching them to be unkind. Man, the Bible tells us to be kind to everybody. Not just those that are our kind. Train them up in the way he or she should go. Now, what does that mean? What is the way he or she should go? Well, if you look at the context of Proverbs, there's two ways. The way of wickedness, the way of righteousness. Train them up in the way he, she should go. It doesn't read here, uh, train up a child in the way he would go or the way he could go. doesn't mean train them up in whatever way they pick, just get behind them and support that. No, it says train them up in the way he should go. This is the way of righteousness. Jesus said in the New Testament, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Why are those three important the way tells us Jesus is the only way to heaven the only way to the father the truth tells us we can trust him because he's telling us the truth and what does that matter here's why it matters the life is the satisfaction that in him we have satisfaction one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis is this I love this quote human history is the long terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make them happy, end quote. Train up a child in the way he should go. Ephesians 6 tells us, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? God has given your child a bent. No no two children are the same. Can, Can we agree with that? Yeah, we all have a different personality, and no two are the same. And one child may have a bent toward being musically gifted or athletically gifted or artistically gifted or intelligently gifted I mean, they all have this bent to them and we need to make sure that we're raising them up toward that bent yeah we're pointing them to Jesus that's the most important thing we do but we say hey you've got some gifts and talents God's given you a personality use that for the glory of God and we encourage that don't try to make your musician be an athlete and your athlete be a musician you're going to make them angry you're going to mess them all up don't do that raise them up in the way he or she should go And even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Even when he is old. We see that word old and many things come to mind. What what comes to your mind when you think of the word old? 
You ask Brady and Bell what's old, they'll tell you 47 years old is old. Right? Maybe some of you look at 50 is old, or 60 is old, or 70 is old, or 80 is old, or 90 is old. The word here is interesting because it means when hair forms on the chin. That's about 15, 16, 17 years old. That's literally what this word means. In the Hebrew, in other words, train up a child in the way he or she should go. So when they begin to be grown, when they begin to become a young man or a young woman, when they begin to be grown, they will not depart from it. Okay? When they are old, it means it starts there. It's the beginning of being grown, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, and then onward. From then on, they will not depart from it. The Jesuits say it like this. If we could have the commanding influence in the life of a child until they're seven years old, just seven years old, we'll have them for life because they're so influential between zero and seven. One said, if you don't break the will of your child when they first begin to manifest rebellious nature, they will grow up to break your heart. Train them up. In the way he should go. Look at this. He will not depart from it. He will not turn aside from it. He will not turn away from it. You see, when, when your child is a little one, you train them. They're going to get to a certain age where the parenting shifts. Zero to 17, you're training. But then when they're out on their own, when they leave home, you, you, you become their coach. You start coaching them. What does a coach do? A coach reminds the players, hey, you remember at practice? Remember this play we ran? Remember this fundamentals we did? And they pull those principles, they taught them, and they coach them up. Say, now, now you apply these. So, for instance, let's say you're a parent, you raise up your daughter in, in the admonition and discipline and instruction of the Lord, and she finds a godly man to marry, and they get married. They leave and cleave, right? Leave and cleave. Well, they have their first fight, and she calls and says, I'm coming home. What you better say, mom and dad, is no, you're not. You're not coming home. Now, if it's an abusive situation, of course, there's certain situations. I'm just talking about their first argument. I'm coming home. No, you're not. And you point them back to Genesis 2.18, and you tell her, look, the Bible says you leave your father and mother, you cleave to your Wife, you cleave to your spouse, you cleave to your husband, you need to stay with your husband or go back to him and work it out. You're coaching, you're not training anymore, you're pointing them back to how you've raised them and you're coaching them. So there's this change here and you'll ensure that even when they're on the trials they come apart, they come across, you're there to help coach them and pointing them back to the training that was instilled all those years of training them. Some good news is the Gen Z, Generation Z, 13 to 25-year-olds, four out of five of them say, yes, we would be coached and mentored and take advice from adults in whom we trust. So that's some good news, parents. They're looking for that, to be coached, mentored, and someone they can trust. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So why did God make parents? Here's why. God made parents to train up children and to trust in the Father. That's our takeaway. Train up children, trust in the Father. Now, don't get this twisted, okay? Don't get it twisted. We're not, it doesn't say trust in a child. 
in the way he might go. No, 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 no. It doesn't say trust in a child. Train up a child. You don't don't trust in a child in the way he or she might go. You, You train them up and you trust in the Father. Too many of us want to trust in our children and train up God. We want to give God some training. Say, God, my little angel would never do that. God, my, 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 my kid's different. My kid's not like those kids. My little angel would never step out of line. My little angel would never step out of, out of my obedience. My, my little child would never do something like this. Or my, little child, my little angel would never do something like that. Let me tell you, your little angel has a big old devil that's going after their heart. And you got to train. Don't trust in them. Do not trust in them. Yeah, trust them and help to foster and build that trust. But don't put your trust in them. Put your trust in the Father and train them up in the way he or she should go. So, so here's some principles as we wrap this up. I want to give you three of them real quickly right out of this one verse. So here we go. Principle number one, training must be specific, not generic. This is a very specific text. Notice it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Not train up every child in the same way. Are we training them to follow Jesus? Absolutely. But there's different ways that people come to Jesus. There's only one way. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to be saved. His name is Jesus and that's it. If you don't come to the Father through Jesus, you don't come. If you don't come to heaven through Jesus, you ain't going to get there. He's the only way. But there's many ways to Jesus. That's why there's so many ministries in the world today. Because people are gifted and they speak different languages, not only verbally, but just as love languages and such. And so we have to take those, our gifts and talents of our kids, and use those to point them to Christ. So let's be specific in our training, not generic you know, in years gone by, video games used to be so simple. Gaming used to be so simple, right? I look at these games today, they're so complicated. I can't teach Brady and Bell to play these games. I don't even know how to do it. There's no way. You know, in the days before Madden, there were the days of Mattel Electronics. Anybody remember Mattel Electronics? Anybody remember this game? This is one of a a line of games that they had at at Mattel. Uh, This one was a football game. Anybody remember that game? Circa 1977. Anybody? All it has was red little dots. That was it. They could go up and down and right or left. That was it. Very simple. And today it's just so complicated. So how do we we train them in, in a specific way when everything is so complicated? Everything is just, just so chaotic. And, and how do we train them up in the way they should go? Well, I think an important thing we need to do in our being specific is to raise our expectations. Our expectations are too low. A, a successful parenting today, in many cases, is viewed as as long as my kid graduates high school, I'm a success. As long as my kid goes to college, I'm a success. As long as my kid is not an alcoholic, I'm a success. Or as long as my kid uh, is, is not a drug addict, I'm a success. Or as long as my kid doesn't get pregnant or doesn't get somebody else pregnant, I'm a success. That's a low bar, folks. That's low. We need to set the bar high. 
We need to expect our kids to love the Lord Jesus more than anything else or anyone else in the whole wide world. They need to love the Lord Jesus more than they love you. They need to love Jesus more than they love their brothers and sisters. We need to teach them that Jesus demands Jesus is worthy of our service, our love, and our obedience. And to love Him more than anything else. And that's what we, we need to raise the bar. Isn't it interesting? It's so fascinating to me that here in America we do some weird things. Even as Christians, my family's going to do it this year. Your family's going to do it this year. We all do it. But it's bizarre. I wonder what Christians in third world countries, our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church, look into our American Christianity and say, what are they doing? Like, for example, one way we rejoice that Jesus is born, we rejoice that, hey, today is, is born to you a Savior. He is, he is Christ the Lord. One way we celebrate that is we take our family out into a field and we take this perfect picture and we put it on a card and send it to everybody. What is that? Where's the connection there? Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, we're going to do that as a family. But it seems kind of odd, doesn't it? We do some weird things. And I think sometimes that's our expectation. And that's as far as it gets. As long as we look like we're a perfect family, as long as we have the perception that we're the perfect family out in this field, then everything's going to be okay. We've got to raise the bar. We've got to get our hands dirty and roll up our sleeves and get in there and, 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 and make sure our children understand something. That they don't have to leave the church. This drives me nuts. That, that it seems as if we almost verbally say to our kids, now I know when you leave home to go to school, to college, you're going to leave the church. We almost expect it. We speak that over them and almost expect them to go, sow their wild oats. That is not in the Bible. It's not in there. Your, your students, and students hear me well, you don't have to leave the church. You don't have to go fall off into the world. In fact, the Bible says that you're expected to be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. So let's stop telling them, yeah, it's okay if you go and sow your wild oats, and then you'll come back when you have kids. What is that? That's not in here. We need to raise the bar. Why did Paul say this to Timothy? And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Raise the bar, folks. Be specific, not generic. Here's a second principle. Training must be consistent, not erratic. There's a difference in telling them and training them. This has to be a consistent thing in your home and in your life. Susanna Wesley, mother of John Wesley, raised ten children pretty much by herself. Ten kids. She was methodical in mealtimes and bath times and bedtimes. In fact, she had all 10 kids in bed at 8 p.m. every day. You parents looking around say, that's impossible. No way that can happen. How did she do that? Consistency. She was consistent. In fact, John Wesley named the Methodist denomination Methodist because of his mother. She's known as the mother of Methodism and her methodology. So be consistent. Listen, we're, we're not trying to modify behavior. Your child's greatest need is not to have behaviorism, as John MacArthur calls it, or modifying behavior to make them gooder or better. That's not what we're doing here. Uh, their greatest need, MacArthur said, is not isolationism. We're not putting them in a bubble to keep them away from everything bad. That's not what we're called to do. Our children 
their greatest need is not to be good again. They need to be born again. That's their greatest need. And how do we do that? We train them up. Use the scripture. People say, well, man, there's no parenting manual. When you get, when you get married and have kids, there's no man- this is the manual right here. If you want to teach your kids how to have convictions, go to the book of Daniel. You want to teach them how to be saved, go to John. You want to teach them how to, the, the, the importance of honoring God with, with your wealth, with your money, take them to Proverbs chapter 3. Teach them to fear the Lord, take them to Proverbs 1. Teach them the importance of marriage, take them to Proverbs 5. Proverbs covers it all in Proverbs. You can just use a book of Proverbs and instruct them in the discipline of the Lord. Use the manual. Be consistent, not erratic. Train them up. And last one, last principle. Training must be intentional, not accidental. Be intentional. Look what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go. That's very intentional. It's not just pick away or, hey, just let them go and maybe by accident they'll follow the way. No, very intentionally point them to Jesus. I know parenting is not easy, is it? My mother says that when I was a child, I was the worst temper tantrum thrower that ever set foot in TGNY. I was the worst. Y'all ever heard of TGNY? Anybody? A few of you. TGNY was the Dollar General before, it was the original Dollar General. TGNY was here before the general had a dollar. And I'd go in TGNY, and my mom said I'd kick and scream in the floor and just have a temper tantrum, throw a fit, and she'd look at me and so this parenting thing isn't working, right? A little girl whose mom was taking a parenting class at church to be a better mommy threw a fit one day and say, hey, mommy, that class isn't working. You're not being a better mommy. Right? We look at this verse, Proverbs 22, 6, and you read this and you say, I did exactly what this said to do, pastor. I did exactly what it said to do. I trained up my child in the way he should go, and he has departed from it. She has departed from it. She is in the far country. He is in the far country. They are wayward. This doesn't work. Well, let me remind us of something. <laughs> this is a proverb. It's not a promise. It's not an ironclad guarantee. It's a general principle. That's what a proverb is. It's a literary device that points us to a general truth and or principle. It's not an ironclad guarantee. Generally speaking, if you raise up a child in the discipline of the Lord, and as they grow older, at some point, they will not depart. They will not stray. They will come back. The word of Lord, the, the, the word of our God is not ever delivered, spoken in vain. Some of you I know have poured out your lives as parents. I mean, you've done everything you knew how to do to train them up in this way, and they've walked away. So what do you do? You know, I'd encourage you in two ways. Uh, Jesus, we're told twice in the New Testament that he marveled. What, when you think about that, When you think about what would make the creator of creation marvel? What would make the one true living God, the son of the living God, what would make him marvel? Two instances we're told Jesus marveled. One of them, Jesus marveled at a group of people who had no business believing. Yet they believed. Faith of the centurion, he believed. Jesus marveled. Why? Because he had no business belief. He was not a Jew. He, did, he was not trained up in the way he should go. He was not trained up in the way of the Lord. Yet he chose to believe. And Jesus marveled at that. Wow. 
the second group he marveled at were the Jews who were unbelieving. They were trained up in the way they should go, and they didn't believe. And Jesus marveled at that. So students, teenagers, children, let me say something to you. If your parents have raised you up in the way you should go, you should go in that way. Don't you walk away from the church. You don't have to. Don't buy that lie, hook, line, and sinker that the world's throwing out there. You have every reason to believe. So believe. Parents, what do you do if your child's still wayward? Don't give up. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't give up on them. Don't stop being intentional. Don't stop praying. Our God is a God who can reach anyone if they're still breathing. They are not outside the reach of God's grace. They're not. Don't you stop believing that God's not finished with them. Don't you stop praying for them. Love them unconditionally and never give up on them. Be honest about your feelings that you're hurt. Yes, tell God that. God, I've I've done this and it, it, it doesn't seem to be working and I'm hurt. Tell Him that. But don't give up and don't stop being intentional. Students, teenagers, children, look. I know you didn't get to choose your parents. You didn't pick them out. But God did. God chose your parents. He knew exactly who you needed as a mama and exactly who you needed as a dad. He picked them out. So if you're in the home, obey them. If you're out of the home, honor them. If you're in the far country, come home. If you're in church, stay in church. If you're here today and you'd say, man, I'd love to trust in the Father. Well, the first thing you have to do is you got to trust in Jesus. You can't come to the Father unless you come through His Son. So make that the first step today that you do. And believe that Jesus came and lived perfectly, died on the cross for you, was buried and raised to life. And His resurrection is proof that He alone is the truth, the way, and the life. Believe that today. Put your faith in that. It's a gift that you receive and put your faith in it. If you've done that, Maybe you've not joined this church yet. I don't know what you're waiting on. Today's a great day to join our church. Today's a great day to say, hey, I want to be baptized. Today's a great day to take that step and say, I want to be in that life group. Or I want to be in that discipleship group. Or I want to surrender to this call of ministry or that call of ministry. So you come and let us know. We'll be down front here. We'd love to receive you. And you come. Bill and I will be down front here in a moment. And we'll receive you as you come. Why did God make parents? Train up children and trust in the Father. Nourish your newborns absolutely. And know that God knows when they're going to be born again anew. And believe that. Prepare your child for the hereafter. And pray the word over them in the here and the now. Pray over them. Share the heart of the Father as you shape the heart of your children. Hone in on their heart. And hope in God's heart. Zero in on the cries of your sons and daughters. And zoom in on the cross of the Son of the Father. So you've got to train up children and trust in the Father. Father, we 